0: Welcome, everyone, to the Daredevil podcast by Fantastic Geek. We are the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me in the red corner, wearing the red trunks, weighing in at 168 pounds, it's Pete! Hello, Pete.
1: Hey, Matt. Anybody who's got the guts to step into the ring deserves respect, I suppose. Daredevil, episode 102, Cut Man. Is brought to us by the good people at O'Haron's Scotch. When you're sitting dabbing a little alcohol on your wounds, letting your kid take a little sip, well, it's just one step towards a lifetime of alcoholism.
0: uh just a reminder by the way is you all are taking little sips of these podcasts pete we did one yesterday we're doing this one today one more tomorrow then episode 104 will be uh, the following friday with a nice episode of agents of shield in the middle for those of you who join us in that podcast so uh glad we're getting a little nip here a little nip there indeed
1: Water in the court. one more outburst and i'll hold you in contempt Let's enter the evidence into the record and give the devil his due. Our teaser uh, begins on a bloody street. Sirens wailing in the background. A man opens a dumpster only to uh, begin breathing heavily and run away. We crane into the dumpster to find the masked man who takes his mask off. It's Matt Murdock. And uh, yeah, he's in bad shape, rather taut teaser act right there.
0: It certainly is, and it's lit so interestingly that Allie has uh, yellows and reds, kind of really speaking of the decay and the grime and whatnot of uh, of Hell's Kitchen. Also kind of lit really far back. I, I have no camera knowledge in terms of is this shot digital is it film is it whatever but the bottom line is for we the consumer some really fantastic visuals that they're getting out of the new york cityscape here even while shooting at night indeed
1: act one begins an espanol por favor and um the character we later come to find out is named santino is directed by a woman to bring the masked man inside, leave him here, go upstairs, close the door, tell no one, not even your mom.
0: Indeed, the reveal of the, uh, the mysterious character, uh, at this point in the story, yet unnamed, uh, played by Rosario Dawson, uh, a casting decision that, uh, when first announced was, uh, surrounded with mystery, no character name attached. And, uh, they, they milk that mystery a little bit uh, into the length of this episode here.
1: Yes, and uh, as I confessed in our, uh, one of our preview episodes, the casting uh, episode, which was our very first one from New York Comic Con, in case you wanted to go back and listen, um, I confessed to having a little bit of a crush on Rosario Dawson, and this episode did not exactly help that.
0: Pete, if there's one thing that could be said for Daredevil, amongst the many bits of praise, it's uh, attractive leading ladies. I guess the same could be said for the guys. Not exactly uh, my, my area of a forte, but the ladies, yowza.
1: Not that there's anything wrong with it, but there's something pretty right about a girl who yearns to play a Klingon in a Star Trek movie. <laughs> um. The woman gives uh, the masked man a quick look over. He's got a series of lacerations and bruises. She checks his eyes. Of course, they are non-responsive, Matt. We know as the audience why she is not immediately able to tell. He is blind. His side wound, however, is uh, looking pretty scary. She picks up her cell phone and begins to dial and the masked man grabs it. No calls. She says, "We have to get you to the hospital, and he says "They'll kill everyone who the men who did this, they'll kill everyone in the hospital to get to me.
0: This is a scene that shows that this series really fundamentally understands the visual medium of television um but as we said with the previous episode, also trusts the audience enough to you know use our eyeballs and brains and such. Uh, we see on Daredevil small slices that look superficial. There's also others that are oozing and deep and juicy and serious looking. And uh, we don't yet have a backstory as to what caused this, but it certainly is serious. And um, you know, it's not uh, it it it's not something to be taken lightly. That she says that he should go to the hospital, uh, and of course, a bit of a hint as to her medical background. Uh, I don't know about you, Pete. I don't have surgical gloves like at the ready uh nor uh you know nor kind of a a kit ready to go i mean i have a first aid kit but not not the likes that she has so some kind of early character shading here before her uh, her origins are revealed
1: definitely you know the amount of blood that he has lost is worrying her and uh she thinks at this point he may have been stabbed um but when he goes to leave of course being blind he doesn't know which way the door is and clearly his senses are somewhat on the fritz and he falls flat on his face we get a voiceover from a boxing match Uh, this crowd is not happy pete and um you know murdoch he's been dominating his opponent named price and we come to find that uh matt is listening over the TV here, Um, and what happens is ultimately his father, who was a two-to-one favorite, uh, falls to this price, who is just as shocked as the audience by TKO, really actually by referee decision. He stopped the fight uh, in the 10th round there.
0: Indeed, that feeling that Dad has lost again. And I think the show is playing with us a little bit here. Um, Matt presumably can see, question mark, as the scene continues. It's clear that uh, clear that he can see, so we're kind of pre-accident. Um, but I love that it is unclear because it's just kind of, you know, it's throwing us for a bit of a loop here, throwing our expectations uh, at a bit of a loop. Um, Matt then is uh, found at the kitchen table, and I love whether this is a set or a real location but it it really just sells this apartment does this notion of you know money being tight but they're not living in a dump by the you know by by the same uh by the same regard there um but that tiny little kitchen table and uh when dad comes home he he snaps awake Matt does and uh is ready to help dad with his bleeding face
1: Right, and I think the other thing we play around with throughout this episode is whether or not that fight was thrown. Um, the subject of you know keeping your your gloves up comes up both through the TV announcers and by uh, his son, and uh, later on we'll look in depth. Uh, in our sidebar segment as to that theory. However, um, I really love the idea that he uses his son as his cut man here, the titular role to the episode, you know, get the kid out. Notice Matt in the kit, there were, uh, some boxing cards there, specifically the ACE was seen amongst the gauze and the alcohol here. And, um, you know, to uh, <clears throat> to be able to stitch your dad up, you know, little scotch hanging around so your hands don't shake. <laughs> and um, yeah, that was a pretty intense scene.
0: It, it definitely was intense. Add to it the fact that uh, the young actor here is being asked to to drive what at least looks to be a, a fairly sharp piece of metal, maybe not at full, you know, full, full needle strength, but to, to drive that through, uh, his fellow actors, prosthetic cut, um, you know, <laughs> missed by a little bit, you hit his forehead, missed by a lot. you gouge out a guy's eye in real life. Um, so the fact that they were showing this, you know, fake needle going through fake rubber, but real hands doing real work, uh, I, I thought was all the more impressive, Um, I guess I guess that scotch did help at least on uh, perhaps on a performance level Um, then Pete you mentioned uh, you mentioned the the question as to dad's win there certainly something to discuss later but one fact brought forth in the story now uh, he's brought home a ton of money and there's reference to uh, you know sometimes you can lose uh, sometimes you can win even if you lose and there's kind of this sympathetic presentation to the scene so uh, I think some some tough choices the dad is making
1: indeed. And for the scotch and the, the burning effect here, you know, it's, it's a palliative type of thing for the son to be working on the father. And they really do shift roles in their relationship, um, both in the series and throughout this episode as a whole.
0: Pete, in a previous scene, we had Rosario Dawson. Uh, let's talk now rent in this scene.
1: Yes. Uh, Maddie asks his father if they're going to have enough this time for Mr. Morris. And that we come to find out is the name of the landlord. He'll get his rent on time. Clearly letting us know that there's been an issue before with making the rent. A bag of hundreds however on the table this is all you get for losing huh and uh, like you said before sometimes even when you get knocked down you can still win Um, but it ain't how you get knocked down it's uh it's about how you get
0: up so so true with that, the story takes us back to the present day. We have uh, Karen Page setting up her uh, her office in the dark and the nighttime of uh, of the law firm. A lot of a uh, l- lot of extra night, I think, somehow going on in uh, in in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, New York. Uh, but I digress. You have uh, Foggy singing poorly, and uh, the beginning of a little spark between the two of them, uh, w- which I thought. Uh, I, I I thought it was very believable. It was it was a little kind of like oh it's the second episode got to keep things moving, but it was charming nonetheless.
1: It definitely was you know a night filing session turns into overhearing Foggy singing a pirate ditty, and um, that it could turn awkward. You know she says you know I'm still here. There's clattering. He comes out, and you know we're we're led to believe for a second that he didn't know she was there, and then it's you know. The answer is, correct answer is yes, and, uh, you know, you sound amazing. But she says that uh, the two lies, she took the lesser one there, and despite the fact that she works at the prestigious law firm of Murdoch and Nelson here, you know, what is she still doing at work this late at night? And then we get Matt keeping score, our third S-word of the series
0: this is uh this is not broadcast t v and they're certainly living in that uh living in that realm there uh with that foggy and uh, and Karen off to hit a few bars uh in what I think uh you know I think foggy has a certain hope for the evening and it doesn't quite end up there but um this of
1: course after her en- encouraging her to do poppers and uh make like a flapper you know, and, and dance, whatever the kids do this day, despite the fact that they're apparently the same age. <laughs> but Foggy is uh, awkward and unfashionable. And, uh, you know, I really loved, you, you mentioned the darkness before, I really love the lighting in this scene in that confined space. And it really kind of lent itself over thematically to what's going on before they hit those bars, you know, <laughs> because not thinking about it, You know, Karen's a big fan of not thinking about it.
0: (laughs) Uh, it, Yeah, the scene is almost underlit. I think they take it right to the edge without crossing the line. And uh, it really just does add to that mood of sparseness yet intimacy. um, And uh, it serves the story well.
1: We pick up with Matt Murdock on the couch um, in the woman's apartment. He has allowed her to see his face Um, and the, uh, the questioning of his outfit and that it sucks comes up. And he of course explains that it's a work in progress. And I just have to make the, the tiniest um, you know, side note here, Matt, we had gone to the 11th hour before seeing the daredevil suit uh, if you haven't seen it yet, great. I'm not going to describe it. It's not in this episode. It's not in the next three episodes. So there you go. Um, you know, but we knew it was not in the first five episodes. There was all sorts of panic. Are we even going to get the suit at all? Are they going to do that take on daredevil? And then I, I got a fault Marvel for, you know, in their last motion poster, uh less than 14 hours before the premiere, boom, we're going to show you what the suit looks like. Did they panic?
0: I don't think they panicked. I think that they just saw that this was the topic, the low-hanging fruit topic that people were discussing. Not that there wasn't more interest in other aspects of the series, but it was so secretive that you know there was kind of limited stuff to have a conversation about but this notion of will we see beyond the the black kind of ninja outfit um i don't think it's a sign of panic i think it was just just taking that water cooler discussion to to the 11th hour uh, in a certain case almost literally to the 11th hour and that it was you know n- not too many hours before 11 p.m. when when it was finally revealed um Something that was not clear in the promotional um, materials and footage and whatnot was the exact nature of this black uh, outfit. Though it's like an Under Armour top with uh, appropriately so some some red piping there. Yes, but, um yes. Um I like that. All of this is encapsulated by uh, by the comment of uh, Rosario Dawson's yet unnamed character that it does indeed suck um because it's cool when he's in the shadows and kicking butt but the minute he's laid out on the couch here it's like cloth over his head under armor and like pants i know he has a belt there you don't see the pants you know at least they're not like uh you know i don't know spandex pants or whatever um but it's it it's a fun scene it, it really is because you know it also is just serving up this notion that She's telling him the way it is, and we'll learn in a bit what motivates her her frankness with him and her her comfortable nature with him.
1: Added to the outfit, Matt, of course, it's enhanced by two or three broken ribs, a probable concussion, some kind of puncture wound, and that's the stuff that she knows about um but she still is not quite sure if he's blind or if this is uh if he is way worse than she thinks. And, of course, he still has enough of his sense of humor to say, do I have to pick one? But he needs x-rays. She can't do this, particularly on her night off. And uh, he wants to know if she is a doctor. And that she's worried that when she calls the police here that this is not going to go well. Um, But the more or the less, rather, we should say that... um, this woman knows about him the better she finally introduces herself to him as Claire and he gets the name Mike from her because that was the name of a guy she used to date who was very good at keeping secrets too.
0: this whole scene and the time it has taken for her to reveal her name really are an example of um, I think something minor Uh, That you could not get away with on broadcast TV where those network executives would be saying, but wait, people will have people will be losing track and people will be upset and people will be confused. Um, The fact that it takes her this long to give her name, the fact that that he is given a false name with her, you know, again, the show here, because it's either Netflix as a studio or just just uh, the fact that we can watch these episodes so quickly the show trusts that we, you know, even the most casual viewer among us are, not, you know, we are not going to be confused as to what this guy's name is. Uh, it's just the nickname she has for him and it's clear to everyone. And, uh, it's nice to have a show place, faith in its audience.
1: Right. And the less that Mike knows about Claire, <clears throat> the better as well. Once he thanks her and, uh, gets some rest, he's stabilized. We get another flashback and this time to the hospital, Uh, after his initial injury here his eyes are bandaged he can't see and uh, he tells his father how loud things sound Um, but what calms maddie down is being able to feel his
0: father's face and here again we see how this type of scene can be handled by this series versus the movie and i can only imagine that they must have Watched the movie in the early pre-production of the series to find points where they absolutely wanted to take a different turn. This has the same effect as in the movie where it's, whoa, he hears things, but it's not kind of that over-the-top effects-driven presentation from the film. It's just, again, we get it. He's hearing things that you normally wouldn't. It is confusing to him, and you, you know, in case you happen to have missed it last time, he is totally, totally blind.
1: Matt wakes up on the couch after that rather traumatic memory and he cannot breathe. Um, Claire gets to him and he's got air in his chest, which is collapsing his lung. She's finally able to relieve the pressure by very uh, intensely injecting a needle in there. And uh, Matt, again, kudos to the sound design. Second straight episode here. Just that hiss alone helps us understand um, why she believes he can't go to the hospital. But uh, they needed to talk about if he gave up with a ghost, what they would do and what she would say to cops because uh, she thought that every version of the explanation would end with her in handcuffs.
0: This is increasingly a show about the little details uh, and almost – an inversion of the normal TV formula. It's the little details that all together carry a big idea, uh, as opposed to tent poles doing the work. The way that this particular scene of the needle going in, the close-up, the sound design, uh, you know, let alone the acting, uh, that it all comes together. It, it Uncomfortable is a great word, and it also simultaneously doesn't do it justice, because it's just cringeworthy to watch. And as I'm watching it, I'm saying but I've seen like this exact same medical thing on other shows before here. They find a way to present it differently and really to, to, to put you face to face with the action. And it's just, just wonderful.
1: It is. Um, but the idea that she needed to be convinced here, not to bring him to, uh, the hospital <clears throat> comes back to his original mission here, back to the pilot. A, uh, a boy had been kidnapped Um, which he overheard in the final moments and we saw in the final moments of the the, uh, pilot kidnapped by Russians who have a human trafficking ring out of Hell's Kitchen. A little bit of catch-up exposition here. They've taken over for the when the Italians folded up and uh, two days ago they pulled this child from a van. They beat his father. He tracked them to a Russian warehouse Um, but he was not smart enough about this uh they were waiting for him he walked into a trap
0: you know pete it might be catch-up exposition but let's look at the alternative the alternative would be to show it and what's the rule for tv and film don't say it show it here's the problem though seeing him do a whole bunch of tracking and you know leaping roof to roof and then you know making his way in, and and then another fight where he's stabbed, so on and so forth. That's action-driven, and this is a show that wants to be character-driven, punctuated with explosions of action. Um, and this is the better choice. We don't need to see that fight to start um, coming off of the piled episode with, oh, and there he is onto the mission to rescue a kid. It's not inherently clear that that's going to literally be the next... Uh, thing that propels him in the next episode so when he's found bloodied in a dumpster it's it's kind of a raw edge and the fact that here we are in the you know roughly in the middle of the episode getting that explanation just makes it all the more interesting as opposed to something that's straight and linear and displayed for us on the screen
1: definitely but despite the fact that Uh, The masked man has been making the lives of these Russian human traffickers difficult lately. They did get the upper hand here. Uh, Matt regards the mistake as careless, as stupid. And now that these men are looking for him, immediately we get the idea that somebody's coming because of his extra senses here. Um, We know he's good at taking a beating. Uh, from his father, uh, and we get the cologne and the Prima cigarettes detail that uh, he can smell this person looking for him.
0: Though we are about to flash back to Dad, that same Dad that could take a beating. Uh, I think Claire's Claire's purpose in this series really comes into focus in this particular scene. Um, because he's able to be his true self, uh, or at least his true daredevil side of himself, uh, with her through the the veils of anonymity. And uh, I'll confess, I'm not ultra familiar with her role in the comics, but what she's bringing to the series here really is really just is this great place for him to be daredevil to someone, um, and to kind of be be that place where he can he can be his. Fully round itself I don't know how much he's going to reveal to uh, to her about you know Matt Murdoch uh, but this is a place for him to just be to, to, to be the hero he is headed to be and that's a really uh, that's a really nice addition to the story
1: in the flashback his father is sparring uh, in practice here at Fogwell gym a location we saw in the pilot. Uh, He gets knocked down, but of course that's part of the plan. Way to take a punch there, Jack. His son, meanwhile, is practicing as well. He is sparring with some Braille, and he makes the explanation for both his father and for us, the audience here, um, of what that is. You know, the little symbols. This is C. This is A. The T he's having trouble with here. Thinks it's a Q. Braille was, of course, made by the French. And Matt, what is it about them? What letter don't they have?
0: They don't have W's, isn't it?
1: They do not. But, oi, Battle and Jack. In comes Roscoe Sweeney and his buddy Silk, and they want to talk to Mr. Murdoch.
0: And thank goodness, because for my money, it was it was going on a bit too much all the explanation of braille just for my for my personal taste i appreciate all the shading all the details all the richness that that this show is bringing to the table but it was just kind of like okay i I don't need the lesson for braille look some guys who clearly are up to no good propel the story gentlemen and pete i'm sure they're totally nice and just want to tell him what he's you know what a good job uh jack murdoch is doing right
1: not so much. They are there to tell him that they have secured for him a bout with Creel, uh, bearing these glad tidings, Silic so explains, and uh, that Mr. Sweeney can be pi- quite persuasive. Um, it's his Irish charm, of course. And they're giving out three to one odds that he goes the distance. But Silk explains to him <clears throat> that he will be dropping in the fifth so that they can clear 70%.
0: And uh, there's some, some nice hemming and hawing here on Jack's part. But uh, ultimately, he's reminded that it's a nice payday and he can help the boy They make him repeat it, go down on the fifth. Uh, and though this is a good 30 feet across a loud gym uh, from his son, what he doesn't know is his son is hearing every word and is shocked
1: yes and further credence to the idea that the previous match that we had seen the previous bout had been fixed or thrown but <clears throat> despite all this um they are a family unit and uh we come back to the present time and it's all about the defensive strategy
0: yes indeed we have uh matt looking to see what what weapons claire can give him or at least her apartment can give up to him and it's a lovely little pairing knife as uh, presumably the nypd is going door to door uh he's all set for a fight which i thought was interesting um I don't know that it is 100% logical that he's all set to fight. Yes, he's determined that this is a baddie and not a police officer, but uh, Claire talks him into staying on the side. And then in, in what I thought was a really good uh, misdirect to for we, the audience, he's got the badge, he's so respectful, we're canvassing the neighborhood to find a, a something or other uh, in a black mast who robbed a bodega. That's the first clue that uh, you know there's some misinformation going on there. Um, But, of course, Pete, after this detective leaves the apartment, uh, what does uh, old future Hornhead hear from him?
1: I was surprised, Matt, just a quick aside, that they didn't play that for Claire to at least dramatically bounce that off this masked man that she's taking care of to at least erase the suspicion that, wait, you're this guy. I have to at least ask you. If you are, Um, she takes him a little too quick for my tastes on the writing end at his word. You know, this after having to, you know, shoo him a little bit away from the hallway corner there. So he can't be seen by old detective foster of the 65th precinct. We presume here, but you know, despite the show with the, with the badge and everything there, it's uh the fact that the masked man smelled the cologne that seems to win out on Claire, which I don't quite buy from a story standpoint
0: well, Pete, I think it's all supported in a couple scenes, uh which I'll just mention in one sentence here, and we can get into the particulars when we get there in chronological order, but she's she's heard of this masked man and and seen the deeds of good that he has done. So when fate kind of stuck her, uh, stuck him rather in, in her, in her dumpster, in her apartment building, I think it's the, she has faith based on her past, which has yet to be presented to us in the course of this episode, that this is somebody doing good. And kind of that, that Robin hood of sorts in in a neighborhood, very much in flux
1: quickly. He heads out the door and, uh We see that the jig is up, at least from a camera perspective, where we see Detective Foster begin to speak Russian into his cell phone. Uh, The masked man grabs the fire extinguisher and kind of tracks him as he heads down the circular staircase uh, situation there and then drops it right on his head.
0: I like, by the way, that they don't show. Again, not following the rule of show, don't don't uh, say. Um, but they don't show the fact that he's hitting the head. Because, frankly, why? It's going to be worse worse or better if we see it. In terms of, you know, it's not going to be as awfully painful and clunky. Um, if they, you know, to actually do it to a real stuntman or whatever. There's this great kind of clack clunk sound. uh corresponding to what we do not see and it's just all the better for it um we have the quick little shot of how the floor has quickly been bloodied by this uh and with that we're taking him to the roof because pete that way the screams won't be heard
1: right and you know he had quickly uh detected the younger man there but we come to find that it is santino and uh, that they need him to help carry Detective Foster up.
0: With that, we uh, cut to Foggy and Karen going to Josie's bar. And again, here, it's slightly uncomfortable to watch, but but all in good characterization, I think, because Foggy is just pushing too hard. Um, and he brings a joviality, which actually I think is setting up... Um, where the story wants to go, which is that we see something slightly self-destructive and self-loathing in Karen as she drinks. Um, and this is, this is addressed by the dialogue to follow that she still is unable to get the blood out of her carpet and the implication being kind of can't get the blood out of her mind.
1: Right. You know, she compares the blood on the carpet to wine talks about how these men broke in tried to kill her, that she still has the hole in the wall where she bumped her head, and had that man the masked man not been there to help, she shudders to think of what would have happened but it's not her apartment she talks about how all she sees are dark corners, how all that she sees in the city are threats and Foggy does his best here to really kind of play it down, he goes around the bar there by name and points out the details about two people and then of course the next guy he is a criminal but you know he's trying really hard to get his kid into saint agnes
0: and that was such a wonderful bit of dialogue from foggy because we spent so much time in the last episode focusing on the decay of hell's kitchen the decay that you can't see but it's there it's there in the heroine factories and the construction graft and and the mysterious you know this mysterious man pulling the threads uh for the entire neighborhood a reminder too that you know we have street level crime we have street level people working class people going to a dive bar to have a couple drinks and to be part of a of a community and whatnot it's um it's it's a wonderful way in a couple of Uh, A couple of sentences of of dialogue to really say this is a community worth saving and worth protecting.
1: Back on the roof, the masked man has tied up Detective Foster, uh, who, though Claire thinks he might be able to hear, uh, the masked man knows because he can hear whether he's awake or not, (laughs) that he's out, and uh, that this is something best left up to faith and he makes a crack about Catholicism Um, but she says that uh, she knew the moment that uh, that she found him what side she was on it's at this point that she finally reveals that she is a nurse in the emergency room at Metro General a couple weeks ago she saw Bunch of guys who were beat up, um, nine broken bones, all via a masked man. Then there was the 19-year-old waitress who was threatened by someone. And she also reported a man in a black mask who saved her. So word is getting around about the masked man. And we come back to the notion of belief
0: indeed the the dialogue you can't give in to fear if you do men like this win, and uh, soon enough we have young Matt reading from uh, Thurgood Marshall about you know fighting the system, doing what needs to be done for the greater good, and speaking of the greater good in just delicious, delicious irony, Dad opens a package, it's his boxing outfit, his moment of triumph, or is it going to be defeat um and Pete, what color is his boxing outfit
1: red? really red and uh that way you can't tell when he's bleeding
0: also uh i mean not to be spoiler about what may or may not come regarding the suit department but there's one guarantee you know it can be red spandex bright red spandex uh so i think or yellow just, or yellow for that matter um so just a little bit of a nod to you know hey it, it could be really really red but That's probably just saved for the theatrics of boxing.
1: Those Murdochs, they get hit a lot. But, uh, you know, Jack Murdoch here then makes a phone call to his buddy, Ed. He makes a late change to a bet all on him to win uh, by knockout. And that it's going to be uh, quickly cashed out the second Creel hits the mat going to take the money to a Lloyd Wagner of M credit union, gives him an account number and, uh, puts it in the name of course, of his son.
0: And if things weren't fatalistic enough at that point, Jack then calls what I think we can all assume is Matt's <laughs> presumed mother. Um, and there's really an air of fatalism there, a sense of big goodbyes. Um, and, uh, <laughs> I mean, it takes it takes precious little familiarity with the with the the source material to know that uh, trouble is afoot for Jack.
1: Right, and his implication that his son is going to need this woman more than ever. He's a good kid, and that he did not get that from him, but just once he wants to hear people cheer for his old
0: man. With that, we uh, go back to the present time. Karen and Foggy, uh, really drunk, beating on Matt's door. A loud racket, lots of yelling. Uh, again, also a scene a tad, a tad loud for my tastes, but uh, it does show the two of them, or not, not just loud, also long. Um, it does show the two of them bonding, certainly having fun. Um, they wake up the neighbor who gives them a dirty look and, and shuts the door that's how you save money on a production. You don't let them talk. (laughs) Then you just pay them extra money. Um, Yeah,
1: well, I think uh, old neighbor Fran there was um, not the slightest bit amused to hear which one of them had uh, drank the eel, and that's not a euphemism.
0: (laughs) That is a great line, though. Uh, With that, they're back out walking again, and if this is a portion of the story that runs a tad long, it ends up being for good reason, Uh, They're talking about it's two hours before the fish market opens and, you know, yeah, there might be threats. They're kind of starting to laugh off those threats, foggy notes. The city is beautiful. And with that, the camera pans up to the water tower, Yep. cut to, you know, the the, the top of that roof. It's the water tower that the Russian has been hoisted up to.
1: There was a little bit of subtext in the the foggy Karen street scene with talking about... Japanese auction terms and uh, they were going to go buy this bluefin and everything there. I think we'll look in our um, theory segment in a little bit, maybe some larger meaning there. But um, Detective Foster is now being interrogated on the roof and uh, the masked man is joined by the woman in the white hood.
0: And it's 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 rough enough to start with where he gets hit twice, once for not talking enough and then the other time for, for <laughs> delivering truthful bad news. Um, he notes the Russian does kill me and someone else takes my place. Um, with that, Claire the nurse suggests knifing him kind of, I guess it wasn't quite in the eye socket, but right above it.
1: You mean the super orbital franium, Matt?
0: Absolutely, which sounds so medical when she says it, but then he's holding a knife to the guy's, you know, eye area, and it's it's clearly R rated territory at this point. There's screaming, there's blood. Um again, I'm not saying it's too much for this show. I'm not saying it's too much for me, but uh, it certainly is quite a lot to swallow at that point.
1: Definitely the most torture we have ever seen in a Marvel cinematic universe joint, but it's all with a goal here. The unfortunate nature is to find out where this child is. Is he still alive? And we learn a fair amount here. We learn that uh, if we kill this thug, someone else will take his place. And also that um, they're not really concerned with losing people. And it's an enemy that isn't afraid to lose that you really have to fear.
0: By the way, side note, I would argue that uh, Iron Man 2 was uh, more torturous than this, but I digress. Um, <laughs> the Russian is quickly sent hanging over the edge um, and really just a viciousness out of Daredevil at this point. He's not just doing this for the boy. Uh, he enjoys it the whole tension of the scene here is the question will our hero drop the bad guy Um, once the Russian coughs up the info and starts to laugh at him surprise surprise at least to me he gets dropped over the edge albeit into a dumpster little listen there from Matt he'll live so I guess that's kind of you know didn't kill him asterisk tried to Um, but it's it's Stunning in its violence, particularly what we're compared with for other uh, TV offerings or, frankly, cinematic offerings for the Marvel Cinematic Universe.
1: Not only does he get the location uh, 11th and 44th at the Troika restaurant underneath it where the child is being kept, but the upshot is that Claire now gets to move out um, for a woman that she is cat sitting and we get the other uh, address and he needs to know that because he thinks that he might be needing some help a little bit later on
0: his own his own cut man as it were if the, if the metaphor wasn't clear enough
1: right but the the soul of this scene is where claire says to um mike that she doesn't believe him when he said he enjoyed this
0: hmm certainly the uh she kind of playing the role a bit of an, you know, the angel with the dirty face, that kind of thing, seeing seeing the goodness in him, despite all this uh this badness going on. And uh for all those cuts she has healed, we then cut to Jack getting ready for his fight. And Pete, for all the supposed lead-up, uh, oh, it's Crusher Creel. He was in Agents of Shield. Are they gonna make a connection? Are they gonna get the same actor? I thought it was so interesting. They just choose not to show the fight at all. Jack enters the ring bathed in light. Matt watches from TV. We hear it but don't see it. Um, after the fight, Jack is in the locker room, um, and we haven't seen we haven't seen a ring. We haven't seen an opponent, and um, I kind of liked that. I liked that presentation, even though it robbed us of a supposed crossover moment.
1: We got the crossover in name, and I think that's connection enough. Could they have gone the extra mile and done this here? I don't think Marvel needs to lord over the fact that, hey, we could bring an actor back and have him punch a guy for, you know, a minute or two on screen. There's a connection. It's now a greater connection. Uh, The name drop is enough, and to establish that uh, Crusher Creel, who appeared in the season- Two premiere of agents of shield goes back to hell's kitchen and this bout with jack murdoch let's say 20 or 25 years ago whatever the exact passage of time might be
0: pete i would put the passage of time at, at slightly less just by the math of um let's see it takes seven years to go through college and law school right I believe so these guys are roughly 25 um, and young Matt is about 10 so maybe 15 years ago a minor point certainly but uh, but uh, one that would allow for Crusher Creel to be around back then and around uh, in this season of Agents of Shield
1: but with the gunshot Um, I thought effectively transitioned Matt is at the kitchen table he hears this he sees cops uh, outside an alley he thinks it might be his father he goes we get the uh, daddy scene and then Matt is the money shot of this episode
0: Pete this is a monumental shot there are a couple of moments where they might have been able to work in a cheat you know they, they go right against the door, and it 's black for a second, so you could hide a cut in there, but this is a scene that just goes on and on and on in the hallway uh from from the goons uh one of the goons giving food to the boy that 's been kidnapped, coming out, checking into the room where there's poker, checking into the room where I kind of call it the boss the boss room, not the head boss of course, but just right. kind of the boss room for this operation then daredevil coming in and the fight and the door closing and it just goes on and on and on why for the art of it they didn't have to do it i'm sure it was more difficult to do it this way than other ways but it's just just absolutely fantastic it's it's gritty it's grim the multiple times it appears that daredevil's about to lose because these professional fighters these professional you know goons can take a hit shake it off and get up again it's not one punch and you're you're down and just a just a monumental ending to this episode
1: and this is the fight we want to see the artistic choices that you could make with the crusher Creel bout are only so many and that you know you have the 12 round endurance match that takes place in this continuous shot over a number of Five or six minutes, ultimately, um, you know, concluding with him taking the mask off, opening the door, and this is the cathartic, you know, I'm going to take you to your dad, you're safe now moment as he steps over bodies toward the camera. Jackson, you're already badgering the witness. Well, what do you want me to give him, a testimonial dinner? Who brought the heat into Hell's Kitchen in this episode, Matt?
0: Pete, we must start with supposed Detective Foster. uh, Clearly a henchman up to no good for our secret uh, evil leader. I wonder when we'll learn more about that. Bitch, (laughs) the F. Ooh, that has to be a sound effect for an upcoming episode. Um... I say suppose, and I guess this is probably the time to, to hash it out, Pete. Do you take it that he is a a dirty NYPD detective, uh, a dirty dick, as you might say, or is he playing the role of one of New York's finest uh, and uh, just a full-time bad guy?
1: I have to believe not only the way that uh, our masked man, Matt Murdoch. Sniffed him out, so to speak. But in addition, the presentation came across phony. Yes, he had a uniform, a badge. All these things can be purchased. Um, All right. So he used lingo like perp and, you know, the guy got away on foot from the bodega. I never bought him as a cop um, for real, at least.
0: Fair enough. Uh, I wonder if we'll see him again. I kind of sense not given that he's uh, he's served his story purpose. And within the reality of the show, uh, he's probably going to be paying a stiff price when he gets back to, uh, you know, the evil lair. So uh, with that, let's move on to uh, the uh, British boxing buddies, Roscoe Sweeney and Mr. Sillick. Uh, your thoughts on them, Pete?
1: Um, I got a little bit of an Irish uh, vibe. In fact, he said it, uh, Roscoe. He said it was his Irish charm um, that enabled him to secure the fight with uh, Crusher Creel for um, Jack Murdoch. So we're we're gonna put him to a different part of the island there
0: i meant of course someone from the british isles and was in no way being an ignorant american (laughs) who didn't listen close enough to the uh to the uh the accents there um minor bad guys in my view i mean you know fixing boxing matches okay certainly you know not ethical certainly theft and you know when there's gambling involved although can there be theft from illegal gambling Uh, i guess that's a (laughs) a moral a moral depending
1: on who's skimming it which way absolutely i mean you look at point shaving scandals that uh you know the mob pioneered in the 70s and and how that became a thing you know that's the other story to come out of goodfellas was henry hill's uh involvement with that and there's some some great uh books and you know espn even did a uh a special on that, but without delving too deeply into that, Matt, you downplay them as financial, you know, minor bad guys. Let's not forget that, you know, to this point of the season of, of this run for daredevil, the biggest guys we've seen are the financial type of bad guys.
0: Regardless of their, their, their bad guy pedigree, there's just something about them that I think is so lovable Maybe it's just the 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 way they dressed their the rapport between the two of them their their coolness in the face of uh, Jack Murdoch kind of getting getting a little angry. You want to step into the ring. I really enjoyed them, even though they are in a certain sense the 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 precipitators of you know gloom and doom and dead father and so on and so forth. Uh, there's a weird underworld charm to the two of definitely.
1: them, definitely. But when you get a veiled threat to your child, if you don't do this and Maddie heard that on top of hearing his father, you know, uh, preparing to throw this match, um, pretty nefarious nonetheless.
0: Now, that's an interesting take, Pete. I did not read what they were saying as a threat in that they were going to bring the negative. I thought they were just saying to Jack Murdoch, look, play ball. You will make money off this when you play ball and you have a kid to think of in terms of the money that you can make from sacrificing your honor for, for helping out our group of you know dirty boxing people. It's that double-edged
1: sword, cl- though, of you, know, you yeah. don't play ball. Yeah, you got a lot of things to worry about now. Do you want more things to worry about? How are you going to feed your son if you're crippled?
0: Fair enough, fair enough. Pete, I think I know the answer here. Does uh, Crusher Creel make the cut? He
1: does not. We do not see him. And good nod to the overall Marvel Cinematic Universe. In He has appeared on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We have established uh, further backstory from him. So for him to go from a Daredevil flashback to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and he was since uh, incarcerated... Um, you know or or did he get away? I'm
0: not uh I think he did get away. Well he was incarcerated
1: um, in between and then broke out after the the Hydra debacle.
0: Um uh, either
1: way, uh he does not wind up on uh our list of defendants here today, Matt.
0: Then I guess I guess the uh the last stop for the list then would simply be um would simply be just uh the 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 various riffraff of uh russian mafioso stuff
1: absolutely these henchmen again we're street level right now matt and you know these thugs from the guy that serves the little boy lunch and and keeps the apple for himself to you know the the guys playing cards to you know i believe there was even a woman in the in the one uh, boss type of room, um, you
0: know there. Oh,
1: really? I, if I'm remembering correctly, I saw quickly a, a woman at a desk.
0: Well, uh, Pete, longtime listeners of the Fantastic Geek family of podcasts know not to get not to bet against spoiler Pete. Uh, I, I just because I don't recall it, I'm certainly not. Uh, not uh, disagreeing without a, a proper rewatch. It's
1: not to say that uh, the masked man did her in, but, you know, maybe she went a-running.
0: By the way, uh, Crusher Creel turned to stone and uh, taken over by General Talbot on Agents of So SHIELD. he was, so, yes. Yeah,
1: so my first instinct was correct. So there you go.
0: Indeed. Not, not, in custody, parentheses, petrified is how uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe wiki calls it. There you go. Your honor, may I approach the bench? May I approach the bench? It's
1: time to step aside and approach the bench to discuss some off-the-record theories. You be the judge.
0: Pete, let's start with a question of ethics. You, one of the most ethical people I've ever met, except for when you receive those... Uh, <laughs> dvds and scripts in the mail uh you know postmarked burbank california unethical Um, about
1: that i'm on the other i'm on the receiving end (laughs) i'm not taking them
0: well that's that's a question of good and evil but we'll save that (laughs) for next time um the 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 idea is this in the first fight that jack murdoch uh came home from uh, where he was stitched up by uh, by young Matt did he throw the fight yes or no
1: against price um, I really got the uh, direct suspicion that he did they make reference to him dropping his gloves um, twice the announcers and then his son um, they're so overt with the you know you can you can win when you lose. Um, it's not shameful in that he's feeding his kid. He's supporting his child, his now handicapped child. So it's dealt with, to continue the boxing metaphor, it's dealt with kid gloves, Matt.
0: I I think I'm in the same boat as you. Um, that stack of money that must have been several thousand dollars, um, maybe not several, but certainly close to a thousand dollars, if not more, all to you know to be a losing fighter who lost again uh it it just strikes me as a soft con- condemnation of the fact that he was uh unintentionally uh, unsuccessful pardon me he was intentionally unsuccessful in the ring um the larger implication that that has for him as a provider and a, a sole parent i think uh, he certainly gets a pass there Pete, any other theories? Now that we're here, uh, approaching the bench, the
1: cut kit that um, uh, Matt Murdoch used on his father very uh, visibly had several cards. The top one, of course, was an ace. Significance?
0: Well, I doubt it's some some crazy guy robbing banks <laughs> calls himself the Joker. That would be that would be a, a realignment of movie rights, the likes of which I don't know has ever been been achieved. Um, I don't know what to make of it. What are your thoughts?
1: I think that to use that as a prop where it does not belong belies some larger significance that we've not yet seen. And I say this not as something that I've seen already. Uh, but merely to make uh, people think about it: Why is it there? Could I could have had any card? Why keep cards there? We know he's keeping money there, at least for the time being. It was a it was a curious choice.
0: I have a minor, not, I suppose, theory here. We hear from Claire, you know, that she's aware of this this rumor of the man in black. Uh, because she's attended to to a number of the people that he, that he's beat up quite he's frankly. He's made black uh, and
1: blue. He in, leaves indeed. his mark.
0: To what degree do you think this is a rumor starting to make its way through the neighborhood, through the city, and and, and that sort of thing?
1: I think because of his appearance on the Russians' radar, it's very clearly a thing he has. Um, You know, in the pilot, uh, you know, pinned a a letter to a bad guy on the steps of a newspaper. This is, is it masked man in the media yet? It's not, but this is, uh, it's out there.
0: Well, it certainly is something that the show could, uh, you know, could make story hay with in the future. So something to keep an eye on.
1: Indeed. We hear Matt over the phone, um, Jack Murdoch, speak to a woman. He leaves a message. Um, This is assuming it is, of course, uh, Matt's mother. Um, Who is she? Will we see her? It's very simple to say, all right, uh, we don't hear about her in the future. Is that to say that in some flashback, she won't come in and out of his life, is there some larger significance to who that unseen character is?
0: My story preference certainly is that they kind of draw down these flashbacks sooner than not. Um, you know, in the first three, four five episodes, something like that. Um, logically though, if this is a maternal figure in his life, whether it's his mother or an aunt or whatever it might be, Um, you know, I mean, logic dictates if dad was dead, which we know happened because we saw it, uh, that he would go to that, to that family member or that family friend, you know, would get custody, that kind of thing. Um, the flip side is I don't need to see the young adventures of young Jack Murdoch being young. Um, let's stick with this compelling, you know, law by day, justice by night dichotomy here, this rotten... You know 21st century neighborhood in New York City that's much more compelling. So, is it just something that was a, a, another one of these wonderful small details um, that doesn't necessarily need to go anywhere, or is the story thread? Uh, I guess time will tell.
1: I will not disagree with you. <laughs> We've been using our enhanced senses to monitor the frequencies. Here's what you had to say. You help us an awful lot when you leave us feedback and review this podcast on iTunes. Not only do you help us, you help others find us. So if you wouldn't mind going over to iTunes and hitting the little rate uh, stars there, maybe leaving a couple words. And we truly do um, honor that honest feedback and, and really do use it as something to grow from. Uh, we've been left a number of reviews that we are uh, meeting out over these first couple episodes. The next one came courtesy of Ducks Man. It is headlined, I'm Excited for Daredevil, five stars. And it reads, "I am looking forward to your Daredevil podcast. I am excited for it. So straightforward, to the point, and uh, grateful."
0: Absolutely, always nice to hear uh, to hear from people. We'll be talking uh, talking in a minute. Uh, other ways people can be in touch, but uh, certainly iTunes the best way if you want to kind of. Not just give up a little – give us a little pat on the back but also help other people find this podcast and uh, hopefully get on that fantastic geek train.
1: One more review here left for us by Ultimate Crisby and the headline is first-time listener, five stars. First, welcome. Second, his review reads, I cannot wait, all capitals, to digest and divulge the Daredevil series with this duo. I really appreciate the excellent exchange of information and views on just the pre-production and casting alone. I didn't know I could get more stoked about this series until I heard this podcast. Thank you guys and keep up the great work.
0: Wow, that is that is so nice to hear and you know, sometimes I think in the course of our discussion, it's it's in the back of both our minds. You know, hey, here we're talking about a camera move, a lighting decision, sound design choices, uh, some of that real bed sores indeed. Um, you know, some of that kind of production, production stuff, as opposed to here's the story, here's the theories. Uh, and it really is nice to hear the people respond to that kind of making of stuff as far as we're able to make inferences or glean stuff from articles or, or, or that kind of thing. Uh, certainly, you know, being at Comic-Con helps with stuff like that, you know, or helped back in the fall. But uh, to, to be taking some of these story story, uh, you know, story elements here, production elements, and weaving them in the podcast is, uh, is a great joy. And Pete, you know what else is a great joy for some people is when they head over to Patreon.com. Slash Fantastic Geek. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash fantastic geek uh, to lend a hand with our uh storage and bandwidth costs. Uh, even a little goes a long way. And we uh we have a couple of ways to say thank you to all the listeners uh as they enjoy all their production factoids that we try and work into the podcast.
1: We also have a video that would explain what we would do with your generosity and kindness, and you could see what matt really looks like
0: (laughs) ah so true or is it but pete i'll tell you what is definitely unquestionably true is you the man of the people some sort of king i don't know what (laughs) you are so popular on the twitter how can people be in touch well
1: you can find me on twitter at peter p i e t e r j Ketelar, K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 5,578 followers, can't be wrong.
0: Holy mackerel. And uh, while I am personally on Twitter, as looking back lost, you can be in touch with the podcast in a bevy of ways. We are Fantastic Geek. That's fantastic with a PH on the dot com, on Twitter, on the Gmail, and on one more thing.
1: Yes. Get yourself on over to Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Fantastic Geek, again with a PH, all one word. Like us today, be part of the conversation questions polls pictures videos insight
0: holla what more can be said and indeed i believe we're at the end here of uh, episode 102 for daredevil cut man and uh, we will be back tomorrow with uh, episode three, and then we'll take a little time off to get ready for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and return with episode 104 uh, next Friday, uh, starting our kind of Friday and Monday release schedule. Or if you listen to us for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it's kind of like a Monday, uh, Wednesday, Friday kind of schedule with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. uh, there in the midst of of a Daredevil sandwich or Daredevil bun or whatever the metaphor is. It's like popcorn. Anyhow, with that, Pete. I will say, get out of here to all our listeners and give you the famous final word. I
1: drank the eel, and that's not a euphemism. I'm back, back New York. I'm back, back in New York.